Welcome to the Fantasy Unicorns Podcast, a fantasy basketball podcast with a dynasty focus. Hello and welcome, all fantasy fans, to yet another delicious installment of the Fantasy Unicorns Podcast. I am here, your host, Tony Papadopoulos, at who's underscore your underscore papa on Twitter. Thank you so much for lending your ears for this upcoming uh, really exciting episode. We are joined once again by our all-star panel here that we had last week. We've got Kevin, Mr. Fantasy Unicorn himself. Kev, how are we doing? I'm doing great. I'm, uh, I got my kombucha here, so I'm, uh, I'm feeling energized and I'm ready to go. Mm, that gut bio is well maintained, I tell you. <laughs> Those probiotics are pumping through his veins, it's ready to stuff. give some flaming hot fantasy takes. And our third uh, host here, last but not least in the slightest, streaming expert Rhett. My man Rhett, how's it going? I'm doing well. I don't have any kombucha. I just have regular water, but uh, I'll, I'll try to keep up. A very well hydrated group of unicorns <laughs> that we have here today. Uh, I'm hydrated in a different sense, which is uh, the snow that is falling outside. The precipitation uh, uh, is is uh, immense here in oh, Chicago. No. We had a uh, we had a uh, a plane in O'Hare this morning um, slide off the runway. No oh, one was yeah. hurt, thankfully, but very cold, very cold, very icy here. Um, but you know. It's uh, that comes with the territory and uh, and we will fight. So um, regardless of the news and the weather, uh, very happy to have you guys in. Very happy to have all of it. All of you listening with us. Uh, we're, th- we're three weeks in heading into week four today. It's Monday, November 11th. Uh, we're going to have we've got a great show for you guys today. We've got news and notes per usual. We're gonna have Rhett step up and uh, and give us a little bit of a uh, of an expert's take on streaming and redraft leagues. And those of you guys who uh, you know are uh, are in your dynasty leagues, you know streaming is uh, not gonna be important for you from a dynasty standpoint. But the guys that uh, that Rhett will be calling out as streamers might potentially be good deep league pickups potentially if you're in uh you know in some different positions so keep an eye out for that and then we're going to do a week three recap i'm going to talk about a few teams that stepped up this week and uh and finally as always we're going to finish up with some of our uh, our highlight games that we want to call out uh in the upcoming week so uh without further ado let's dive right in so starting off uh news and notes Big week this week. Unfortunately, uh, you know, we were talking, guys, before jumping here on, onto the pod. It seems like there are just so many injuries this year. Uh, another big one to a guy who just, man, I mean, he just can't catch a break. It seems like, oh, uh-oh. That, oh, I guess no. I'll make that pun. Oh, no. Oh, no. Well, <laughs> I guess he can catch a break. Uh, Gordon wow. Hayward. Too another, many. Another, is uh, another another injury just really unfortunate for Gordon Hayward. Uh, it's just it's a shame. It's a broken hand, I believe, gentlemen. I believe that's right, yeah. or maybe a wrist. I think it is a broken hand. 
yep. with Steph Curry. Um, it's it's obviously it's devastating. I think for 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 him personally, and also for Celtics fans who were really excited by you know Gordon Hayward's seeming resurgence this year after struggling last year. Um, I had Hayward picked early, you know, before we started this season. I had him picked as a potential, um, you know, candidate to overperform his ADP, which up until his the injury he was. Kevin, I'm going to go to you first. I mean, first off, give me some general thoughts on the injury, and then what happens now in the Celtics rotation? Who is it that gets the upswing here uh, as a result of Gordon Hayward's injury? Yeah, I, well, I know um, he was having a, a really good season, as you were mentioning. And he was actually um, the 27th per game, you know, based on per game um, ranking. Yeah. Uh, he, he was number 27 yeah. out of out of the league, which was that's that's back in his uh, Utah 2016, uh, 2017 days. So it's a lot it was, higher than most people. Than oh, people sure. Yeah, he was he was definitely getting drafted uh, more in the middle rounds. And he was, like you said, outperforming and, and playing great, looking like the old uh, Gordon Hayward. So it is really unfortunate that he's going to have, uh, you know, this deal with, with yet another injury. Um, it, it's kind of tough to say exactly um, how long it's going to he'll be out for. I guess he's going to be undergoing surgery uh, for the left hand. And so he could be looking probably at somewhere close to two months. Um, but, you know, it, that's just kind of what the, the numbers that have been floating out on the Internet a little bit. So either way, he's going to be out for a long time. And, you know, there's certain guys that are going to step up. Uh, I think you're going to see, you know, guys like Jalen Brown and Marcus Smart obviously pick up some of the slack. Uh, Jason Tatum obviously is going to become much more of the focal point uh, in the sort of the front court. Uh, And you might see guys like uh, Grant Williams coming in as well and and getting a little more time. So um, if you have uh, Gordon Hayward, uh, you know, he's he's. If you ha- if you can put him on the IR, obviously that's what you got to do. Uh, but in in some cases, people don't have the IR, or they just um, you know the, for whatever reason they have to move on. And um, you know, two months is definitely a lot of a lot to eat. So in that case, you know, you kind of just have to move on. And in dynasty leagues, you're definitely feeling good about what you've seen. He'll come back from this, and I think you'll see um, you know. Uh, a re- sort of a resurgence towards the second half of the season. Uh, and, um, you know, he'll, he'll be good to go for next year as well. And uh, should produce a couple more uh, nice fantasy seasons is, is my thinking. Definitely. Yeah. Rhett over you. What do you think about uh, Gordon Hayward's broken hand? I mean, coming from Indianapolis, it, I've always been rooting for Gordon Hayward and him being reunited with Brad Stevens in Boston is just a little cherry on top. But my goodness, he said it right, ironically, that he cannot catch a break. He is just was playing out of his mind so far this year. And to see him go down on something so simple as just running into a LaMarcus Aldridge screen. Like there wasn't anything crazy that happened. He just hit a screen and broke his hand. Um, Brad Stevens did say today in his pregame interview that uh, he's had. Gordon's having surgery today um, and that there'll be an update after the game tonight. So we'll have to be on the lookout for that. But the assumption right now is four to six weeks, which is quite a long time uh, in redraft In dynasty. Obviously you're going to hold cause he's still, I mean, he's only 20, 29. So he'll be 30 this year. 
Um, so you're, you're not just going to drop him like he's old. But as far as somebody to step up, um, I think Marcus Smart will likely end up coming into the starting lineup. That'll push Jalen to the three. Uh, Jalen Brown, that is. Jason Tatum likely to the four. Um, but I think Grant Williams is also another person who can come in and play the four with his – uh, depleted as the Celtics big man rotation has been. Uh, look for Robert Williams and Grant Williams to come in and get some decent minutes, and they push uh, Jalen and Jason down to the two and the three. Yeah, I think, you know, what I'm looking at with Gordon Hayward in particular is that, you know, it, it's not like his previous injury where it's an intent. You know, we said this with when when Steph Curry got hurt. You know, a broken hand is something that you can come back to full form after a broken hand. It's not like we're going to see a situation where, you know, if I'm evaluating to Kevin's point, you know, how long am I going to really have to expect Gordon Hayward to be out with a regular, you know, say a torn ACL or something like that? You know, you question whether or not that player is going to be able to come back with the same quality. And how long is it going to take for them to get back into the swing of things? Are they going to have the same explosiveness? Um, for for Hayward, obviously those are questions that we actually have from his previous injury. But for this one, I think it's very possible that he'll come back in form. Um, I think that this is a rare – this is actually kind of a fun opportunity to see um, some different looks from the Celtics. I'm excited to see how Jalen Brown responds where – he, I mean, he's been putting in a few great performances scoring-wise. They're going to need someone other than Kemba to step up and take some of the scoring load. Obviously, Jason Tatum can do that too. But I'm just intrigued to see how Jalen Brown fits in now that there's a little more space for him to work on the perimeter just because, you know, Gordon Hayward's not taking away any of his touches. I, I really I think this might be a good opportunity. I think a lot of people have some question marks about what Jalen Brown brings to the table. I'm, I'm excited hopeful that this is an opportunity for him to step up and, and as you guys both said Marcus Smart obviously is going to be inserted into the starting lineup at this point um, you know he's going to get a lot more minutes I don't know what that's going to mean from a stats perspective I don't know if Smart's really going to score a lot more but you know he's always going to go out there and do those things that he does but from a fantasy standpoint I don't know if this is going to necessarily really rocket smarts value just because of what he does on the floor uh but obviously more minutes means more you know more of everything so uh definitely something to pay attention to um and the last point that i want to make i realize i'm going a little long here but i'm interested to see if carson edwards gets a little more run here at the two um interesting just because you know they're gonna need shooting and they're gonna need scoring because that's what gordon hayward does and we've seen Carson Edwards, he's already getting minutes. I mean, not, not big minutes, but getting, he's seen the floor this year. So obviously, Stevens has some faith in him. I'm curious to see if they use a little bit more of Carson Edwards just as a, as a catch-and-shoot threat, um, you know, because obviously guys like Smart and, and Brown, they're not great at stretching the floor. So, you know, they might, he might turn to Carson Edwards. I'd be interested to see if that's, you know, a direction that they go. Um, the next piece of news to discuss is I've, I'm just giddy about this, honestly. I just, I, I, I love, I watched both of these games uh, down to the wire. Um, and Nikola, Nikola Jokic, I mean, God, this guy, he, I was listening to uh, the, the starters. Well, they're not the starters anymore. Now it's the No Dunks podcast, but it's the guys 
um, from the formerly known as the starters. And they were saying how Nikola Jokic is like, you know, he's like the guy who's so smart that he doesn't have to study all year. But when it comes time, when it comes time for the test, he always shows up and he gets it done. Um, and Jokic, some people have been saying that he looks a little passive out there, like he's not really giving it 110 percent. Obviously, he's putting up numbers, but they're saying, you know, some people really thought that he'd kind of ascend into MVP conversation. And he hasn't really done that so far this year. That said, <laughs> I mean, the Sixers and uh, and the Timberwolves last night, uh, basically the same shot, game-winning shots, little faders from the uh, from like free throw line extended, um, crazy shots that he hits. These rainbow arc arcs, uh, gorgeous. Love. I mean, and both times I was basically running around my apartment um, because I love stuff. I mean, I, who doesn't love a game winner? Um, Rhett, what are your immediate takeaways and uh, knee-jerk re- responses to Jokic, uh, Jokic's clutch shots this week? The craziest part about these shots is, like you said, they're pretty much the same shot from both from both games but if you watch the possession they're both pretty broken possessions like the, he ends up in the ball with the same spot both times but each time I think Will Barton or Gary Harris has the ball and just looks lost and finds Jokic for a fadeaway that hits the ceiling and comes down nothing but net but I mean he was in the MVP conversation last year and started off very slow a lot of people were talking about how if he comes into the season in shape or losing some weight and all that, he's going to be in the MVP conversation again. But it looks like he came in right. like 20 pounds heavier. and The dope um, boy. Yeah. And, and there have been some discussions on how at like halftime of one of the games, he got told to shoot more. And so three straight possessions, he got the ball, free throw line extended on the three-point line and just let it fly, like just kind of pouty like, like a kid. But there's no doubt – if, if he has that sort of clutch factor where he can just hit fadeaway mid-range for the win this consistently, like he's going to be, he's going to be someone to really, really watch out for uh, once he actually decides to get in some sort of shape. Yeah, it's a, it really is kind of like, man, like he, he's been all over the place from his, from an attitude standpoint, Kevin, what is, uh, what do these game winners say to you about, maybe the future and what to expect from Nikola Jokic this season. Yeah. Jokic is great. Uh, I'm definitely, he, he's a, a real fun guy to watch for a lot of reasons. I mean, one obviously is his, his passing ability is, is just so ridiculous for a big man. Probably the, I mean, I don't know if people are having this argument, but probably, you know, if not the best, one of the best passing big men of all time already. So you know, he's just getting his, career started. he's in that he's in that yeah. conversation he's already in that sure. conversation the way the way curry was for three-point shooting right. sort of a couple years into his career but right um, you know i think for fantasy it, he's definitely been a disappointment you know he was definitely drafted around that six seven mark usually in the first round and he's been returning uh right now i see him ranked 45th overall on per game value which obviously is a, pretty much a unanimous top 10 guy Basically, yeah, before yeah. The no, started. I mean, I didn't draft him in any leagues just because I wasn't in that position, but I would not have let him slip past seven in any any draft if, if it came to it. Um, but for the most part, yeah, he was getting drafted in that middle of the first round. And 
he's, you know, it's it's a disappointment. Uh, the main issue seems to be from efficiency pa- standpoint. Um, you know, he's shooting. It looks like about seven percent or seven. Yeah, he shoot. He was shooting fifty one percent last year from the field. And now he's shooting forty four point seven. Free throws are down about um, nine percentage points. Uh, so that's where you're seeing a big dip in his value. And that also obviously affects the points as well. So the points are down from last year, but uh, I mean, we see how good he can be. And I think you guys are right that, you know, maybe he hasn't taken the conditioning to heart yet. Um, a lot of, a lot of, in, in the same way that a lot of young players don't uh, early on in their careers, but uh, I think he's going to bounce back in a big way. And I feel like by the end of the season, he will um, sort of, have himself back in that top 10 position as well. So if there's anybody that's feeling a little iffy about him uh, in your fantasy leagues, um, you know, obviously dynasty will be harder just because he is uh, an elite big. That's, you know, like 23 years old or something. Um, But in redraft leagues, there might be some people that aren't happy with his current performance and you might be able to get him for sort of a, like a second round type player who's sort of performing as expected. Um, and so you may look into trying to make that move because I do think that uh, as the season wears on, he's going to be getting better and better. So the next piece of news to talk about another injury, we're going to be talking about a lot of injuries, unfortunately. This feels like, uh, oh, I'm almost like the NFL at this point. Um, Karis LeVert hurt his thumb, hard fall on his shooting hand. Um, no word yet on any details with regard to how severe the injury is, but you know, shooting hand, it's a thumb. That's how you catch. That's how you shoot. Um, <laughs> the Nets have a tough schedule coming up. It seems like all of the East coast teams are taking their, uh, their, their West coast runs. Uh, obviously the Nets were already, um, you know, in, uh, they already had a, a couple of, uh, of West coast. They played the Nets um uh, sorry they played the suns they played the blazers last week uh and they've got utah denver and chicago this week and then they've got the pacers at home uh they're away in utah and denver and chicago which is just that's brutal um so who is it kevin that gets the uplift at this point if laver if it turns out that that laver might be out for this week or potentially two weeks i think that the obvious candidates are spencer dinwiddie um, getting more play at the two alongside Kyrie. Um, you also are going to get some Garrett Temple, um, probably more for defensive purposes. And I think they're going to let Joe Harris start taking like 15 threes a game or something. Um, <laughs> and, you know, I think it, it's time. It, it's <laughs> just let him loose. It's um, time. And you might see some uh, Jean and Musa as well, um, kind of getting into the mix on the wing. Um, so they're, they are, you know, they, they're a pretty deep team in that, that two to four uh, position. And I think um, they have a lot of guys that can kind of move around. So I think overall they'll be okay. It's definitely a tough loss for anyone that had Levert on their team. Um, but, you know, I think it, hopefully he, he bounces back somewhat quickly from this. And um, But in the meantime, I would look for, you know, increases uh, for Dinwiddie and Harris in particular. Yeah, I think Dinwiddie's the the, the clear choice here because his game fits in. It's sort of similar to, to the Carson Edwards situation, even better though, which is that he does some of the things that LeVert does, which is that he's a good shooter. He's a scorer. He can, he can score. 
at the rim and from outside. Obviously, Levert is much better in the in-between. Um, right, but, and they still need yeah. someone to play defense, so right. and keep that, that is, in mind. <laughs> that is, I mean, the Nets right now are, are getting punked on defense. They, they're one of the worst defensive teams. I think they're bottom 10 in the right. league right now defensively, so it, it's going to be bad. I mean, it, from a from a, from a, a, a daily fantasy standpoint, not that anyone, you know, I mean, hey, why not, right? We're a fantasy podcast. Uh, if you can play guards against the Nets, you're going to be in a good spot. And from a from a, a fantasy standpoint, uh, you know, if you're debating who am I playing this week, um, you know, say you've got a lot of guys and you've got some dudes to sit on your bench, if you've got someone who's going up against the Nets, I would play them, um, especially if they're getting minutes. I mean, the Nets are defensively, they're going to be horrible and they're going to be even worse without Levere. Um Brett, over to you. I mean, what, what's your takeaway here from from a potential injury here with uh, with Kerry? Well, an injury, but potential long term. Well, not long term, but an injury that he will miss time for. What's your take? Yeah, I think because it is the shooting hand, I think it'll take a little bit longer than uh, what we would expect for him to come back from. Obviously, you said they're at Utah, at Denver, at Chicago, and then Monday hosting the Pacers. That's a full week. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see him um next week at the home game against the Pacers they just give him the full week um but I also wouldn't be terribly surprised if it took longer than that I mean falling on your thumb like that's a that's a lot of body weight that's a very important part of your hand um like you said shooting dribbling passing catching like everything that's just not something to take lightly uh as far as people who's going to benefit you guys mentioned Dinwiddie, uh, Garrett Temple, Joe Harris. I think Toreen Prince also a little bit um, just because of the defense you guys mentioned. Um, Levert is one of their better perimeter defenders, and I'm not sure how much they can rely on Joe Harris to pick that up. Um, the other part that Levert brings is the playmaking aspect. Like he runs – I think he's second behind Kyrie in terms of running the offense. Dinwiddie's probably up there too. So you know that Dinwiddie's going to take that little extra bump. Um, but any of the guys between Dinwiddie, Temple, Harris, and Prince should be uh, should all see a little bit of an increase in value. Yeah, definitely. Next piece of news, Chris Middleton out three weeks. Uh, tough blow for the Bucks who – I've looked pretty solid. Middleton hasn't really hit his stride. He's been consistent, um, but he's he's injured now. Um, it's going to be three weeks. Looks like you know. Looks like there's going to be some tough times ahead for the Bucks because obviously their depth without Brogdon, uh, losing him, they've still got you know George Hill. They've got some other people who can do some things. Obviously, Chris Middleton isn't really um, handling the ball all that much, but he is a steady hand. Um, it, it's a tough situation for them. Uh, you know, he's got a thigh contusion. So, you know, those are tough. Those are tough to come back from because they, you know, they take time to really heal properly. Um, not a ton of great options on the depth chart for the Bucks. Uh, Rhett, who, who is it that you're looking at here to capitalize on Middleton being out for what looks like potentially at least three weeks? Yeah, I mean, they they reported earlier today three to four weeks already. Um, that's not a great sign considering it is just reported as a thigh contusion. Uh, that's kind of an odd thing to miss three to four weeks for, so it must be pretty serious. Um, but you're right. The options for their wing is uh, Sterling Brown, 
I guess, Wes Matthews a little bit. Um, but as far as fantasy value, I think Sterling Brown is probably the guy who's going to benefit the most. Um, even if Wes Matthews ends up starting or he gets up to 30 minutes or something like that, he just doesn't provide that much fantasy-wise anymore. Um, maybe some threes, maybe some steals if you're desperate or you're in really deep leagues. Um, he'd be a decent ad. But the other guy, I think, is George Hill. Um, we saw him play really well in the playoffs in the starting lineup uh, while Brogdon was injured. And so look for him to be um, more on the shooting guard side of things, obviously, next to uh, next to um, Bledsoe. Uh, but Sterling Brown might fit in better at the small forward. Uh, Dante DiVincenzo might also be an option, but I'm not sure uh, – it's hard to say who's who's going to benefit the most there at the three spot for the Bucks. Kevin, your thoughts? Yep, yeah, I agree with what Red said. Um, you know, it's interesting that Middleton and Levert um, both got injured around the same time because they kind of have similar profiles as far as the player that they are. Um, sort of, uh, sure. you know, secondary playmaking wings. And, um, you know, a very important kind of underrated for their teams, even though it's true Middleton has been a little bit slow to uh, kind of start the season. And there's no clear um, person that steps in. Uh, you know, actually, I think George Hill might be the one that kind of comes in and helps steady the ship a little bit. But, you know, he's it's kind of tough to play him next to Bledsoe. And I think, um, you know, yeah. it. Overall, it's going to be just kind of a mishmash of guys. Uh, you guys already mentioned them. You know, uh, Dante DiVincenzo, th- it seems like they're trying to get him a little bit more involved um, this season. He had a 17-point game and a 14-point game earlier. So uh, as far as scoring, he might be a guy to come in and, and you know, uh, ex- uh, extend the floor a little bit. Uh, but Holzer so, likes him. Buddenholzer yeah. Holzer likes him a lot. That's what it sounds like. And, and, I mean, they're definitely trying to give him a chance to get in there. Uh, but at the same time, Sterling Brown um, is also another guy that, you know, can come in and, and do a little bit of everything. Um, not really a great player, but, you know, can kind of do some of the things that Middleton does at just, like, a, a much lower rate, obviously. But He got, you know, um, like, a ton of offensive rebounds in the game recently, didn't he? I don't remember the number. But I read some article that was, like, Sterling Brown got, like, a ton of offensive rebounds, which is just mm-hmm. weird. Maybe that's a talent that he brings to the table. Who knows? Maybe he had an 11 rebound game um, uh, yeah. back November 1st. Um, yeah. But you know, so he he can be kind of that you know that guard that can get in there. Yeah, get some boards, get a couple threes. Um, you know, a couple assists here and there, but Play nothing deep. nothing outstanding. You know. Yeah. One thing that I'm interested in in terms of depth chart is potentially going the other way, right? I mean, Giannis Antetokounmpo and Bledsoe with George Hill, those three guys, they're going to handle the ball, right? So you don't need a ball handler. What you need is a spacer. So what I see happening is you're going to keep uh, Bledsoe and um, Giannis, Brooke Lopez, um, and and Wes Matthews, right? But then I'm thinking Mm -hmm. you actually slide Giannis up to the three and then bring Ursan Eliasova in at the four, right? So it's it's okay. Bledsoe Matthews it's Bledsoe Matthews Adelokumpo Ilyasova Lopez right so Ilyasova could get those minutes because really it's not about uh, having a ball handler because Yanni and Bledsoe are really the primary ball handlers it's about who can you put in the corner who can you put 
um, outside to give the spacing that they need on the floor to let Giannis operate. So I think that it's very possible that Ursan could be the person to get the uplift here um, just because of the starting lineup and how that might shake out. Um, but anyway, that's that's a potential that, that you know, yeah, we'll, no, we'll that, that's, that's a good happens. point. I, I hadn't thought really about him, but he is one of those glue guys that they like having on the floor. Um, and Giannis is versatile enough to slide over to the three, um, you know, and obviously he can, he can defend anybody. So Right. And it's not like you really need, you know, what is Middleton? What are you losing with Middleton? Right. You're losing an, 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 a, a, a plus defender and you're losing a, a very good shooter and someone who can who can handle the ball to a certain right. degree. Now, Urson doesn't give you the defense. He gives you the shooting. And right. that's what none of the other guys on the, on the roster give you, really. Uh, Sterling Brown doesn't give you that. George Hill doesn't give you that. Um, I mean, he can hit, George Hill can hit a shot, but he's not going to be the guy you put in the corner. Um, I think that Urson fills the role, at least offensively, in a better way than anyone else. Defense is going to be a problem, but it's like you said, it's, it's Yanni, you know, and the Bucks are one of the best defensive teams in the league. So, um, Ersan can be in the right place in the right time, but Anolzer has team defense. That's what he does. So we'll see. I, I think it's possible that we could see an uplift for Ilyasova. Uh, the last note here to discuss, the last piece of news that we want to talk about, De'Aaron Fox. Ankle sprain in practice, unclear just how severe it is. Haven't really heard any updates on, you know, whether or not he's going to have an extended injury or, or what's going to happen. Um, obviously, he's kind of the only player who's really doing well for the Kings right now. Um, and they've already lost Michael Bagley. Uh, Michael, who's, uh, who's Michael Bagley? I don't know. Marvin, <laughs> Marvin. Bagley, uh, <laughs> Marvin Bagley. They, they've lost him uh, to, to a pretty severe injury as well. Um, from what I can tell, there's really not any news in terms of what's happening. But today, he rolled his ankle in practice on Monday. So we're waiting to hear what, what the news is. But if Fox is out, I mean, that really is a, is a tough situation for the Kings. Uh, Kevin, what do you think is the, is the fallout from a potential De'Aaron Fox injury? Yeah, I mean, the fact that they're reporting on it, I guess, might be... Uh a hint that it could be something that takes them out for a little bit, but uh, we'll see, you know, sometimes these things flare up and then the next day they wake up and they're okay. But um, yeah, obviously if Fox is out, uh, Corey Joseph is going to step up and probably be the starter. Uh, you're going to get a little bit more time for Yogi Ferrell. And I think probably the guy that, that, you know, picks up a lot of the slack is actually going to be uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich kind of operating as another sort of, um, you know, smart playmaker, uh, albeit he's not really a point guard, but, um, you know, he can kind of serve that role of facilitating the offense. And, you know, I could see him, them leaning on him a little bit more um, if Fox is going to miss some time. Brett, same question over to you. Yeah, I think uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich is a good, um, a good mention here. But I also think that former pacer Corey Joseph could be in line for some extra minutes as the only true other point guard on the team. Um, he's not a super exciting play. He'll get some assists. He'll get some steals. Um, okay shooting. But, I mean, in terms of an actual point guard, that is the only other one they have on the team uh, outside of maybe Yogi Ferrell, which, again, isn't super exciting. But um, I expect Bogdanovich to get a little bit more usage 
Obviously, Barnes will probably handle the ball a little bit more. Heald will probably see an uptick. Um, but I think Corey Joseph, if you're looking for some assists and a short-term thing just to grab him while you uh, wait for breaking news on Fox's ankle sprain, that's the guy I'd be looking at. Um, but also, I uh, just got a tweet. Uh, Gordon Hayward, six weeks for the hand. It just came through. So that makes yeah, uh, that makes the smart That's and Jalen predictions even more valuable for those of you that already have oh, it. Yeah. You're in a super shallow league. That'd be a grab. I would even add uh, Brad Wanamaker for the deep leagues um, as another guy to, uh, to keep an eye on. Yeah, um, so uh, he went for a ton in one of my dynasty leagues uh, for the waivers. And, um, you know, he looks he looks like he's an interesting player to have on the on the court. Um, so uh, just another guy to keep an eye on. Interesting. Six weeks, Gordon Hayward. That's a real shame. Uh, that wraps up our news and notes segment. Uh, after this, we're going to let Rhett take us through the magical land of streaming in uh, in his upcoming uh, series of articles that that he'll be releasing over on uh, thefantasyunicorns.com. Stay tuned. We'll be back shortly. Welcome back, all you funky fantasy unicorns. Thank you for joining us again on episode 12 of the Fantasy Unicorns podcast. We've got Rhett here. Uh, you've been listening to him last week. You listened to him this week. And what some of you might not know about Rhett is that Rhett is our fantasy unicorn streaming expert. And he's going to be setting us up every week um, with his in-depth take on what the streaming plays are week to week. Obviously, if you uh, are in a redraft league, this is super valuable for you. Streaming is an integral part of being able to win your matchups. Um, but even from a dynasty perspective, these streamers, you know, it could be good call-outs for guys that you might want to target, potential uh, buy lows. Um, and in, you know, shallower dynasty leagues, these are guys who might make the best of a good situation. So, Without further ado, Rhett, I'll kick it over to you and uh, walk us through the way that you think about streaming, what streaming is, and, uh, and, and why people should head over to thefantasyunicorns.com and, and take a look at your articles every week. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, basically, streaming is a way to maximize your total games played throughout the week. So every, every week, you've got seven nights of games, most likely, Monday through Sunday, and it's very rare, almost impossible, for you to have a full lineup on your base roster every single night. So you want to find people on the waiver wire who are good for a game, two games, a back-to-back, filling in for somebody who's injured, stuff like that. So what I do on the Fantasy Unicorns website, the article that I post, is based on players who are available in over 50% of leagues, um, and then I sort them by the amount of games they play um, and then usually go by quality games or back-to-back. Um, what that means is quality games are nights when there are five or fewer um, games played, which usually means that you have some open spots in your roster, which can be uh, filled in by people who are streaming. Um, these are usually not guys you want to hold on to long term. Uh, for instance, we've got guys like Glenn Robinson III, uh, Dylan Brooks, Langston Galloway, guys that are not super exciting names, but when you dig in a little deeper, all of them have four games this week, and all of them are likely filling in for people who were injured on their team. So they 
normally wouldn't get a good amount of minutes, but because of injury, because of the total amount of games played this week, they're actually a pretty valuable asset to have. Um, a lot of streaming depends on your team need, how many transactions you get, um, whether over the entire season or through uh, week by week. I know in the Dynasty League that I'm in, we have five transactions per week. So that gives you five um, additions to put in as streamers. So when you start getting into the lower amount of transactions, that's when you really start to do more and more research into, okay, I'm going to pick up uh, Bryn Forbes this week because he's got a back-to-back. So that's one transaction that will get you two games. Um, and that's part of it too is if you have, let's say you have, I don't know, 30 transactions on the entire year. It's super low or you have like a waiver budget or something like that. You want to get the most amount of games possible for each transaction. So that's why in my article I mentioned that getting Ivica Zubak for the Clippers this week is more valuable than getting Nerlens Noel. Nerlens Noel might be starting because Steven Adams has a knee problem, but Zubak has four games this week and Noel only has two. So that's kind of the way that I look at it is getting the most amount of games possible uh, in order to really put yourself at an advantage over your opponent. Now, the other thing that's important is looking at next week. So if you go into the weekend and you have this crazy league, let's say let's say you're up seven to two and the other team, there's no way they're going to catch you in stuff like rebounds or blocks or whatever. You can start looking at the next week and use your leftover transactions to grab guys who might have a back-to-back on Monday and Tuesday or to grab guys who there's an injury posted yesterday. Karis LeVert goes down. You can reach out and grab Garrett Temple because you know they have three games this week. If you have a few a few number of transactions, it's really important to look ahead and take that advantage over your opponents uh, so you can really – bolster those categories that you might not be so strong in, but you can uh, brute force it into success. Yeah, thanks uh, for that rundown, Rhett. That was that was great. I, I know that, that streaming can be a complicated art for some people because it's tough to really evaluate what matters and what the real value is. Kevin, uh, do you have any thoughts here on uh, on on Rex's little breakdown, and uh, and also, you know, what what are some of the strategies that you employ when you're thinking about streaming? Well, I honestly can't explain it better than Rhett did. That was that was great. Um, good examples, good explanation, um, and so we you know we just want to make sure that you guys know that this article comes out every week, along with our waivers article as well, which is a different. Um, topic that we'll talk about someday. But um, really, you know, it's a tool for you to use and really leverage so that you can, as Rhett mentioned, maximize the total number of games played. Um, And you want to, you know, make sure that you are forward thinking as well. So uh, that was a great idea, actually, of sort of looking ahead during the weekend. If you know that your matchup is pretty much you know, more or less set in stone, especially with counting stats, um, feel free to to start looking ahead to the next week and using up any remaining um, uh, waiver moves that you have, because that's that's definitely a great way to to get ahead of the game and, and be prepared for the next week. Um, but for me, you know, I, I definitely like streaming. Um, 
I think if you're able to, it depends on the size of the league, but if you're able to maintain, um, you know, one to two roster spots at the end of your, your team where you just, they're just constantly changing. They're just constantly rotating guys in and out. Um, obviously it depends on the depth of the league, but, um, that's a great way to really pump up a lot of the, the counting stats like points, rebounds, assists, block steals, those sorts of things. Um, and, and really give you an edge in those categories. So it's great stuff. Uh, Rhett is doing amazing with it. Um, I definitely recommend checking out his article and, um, definitely, uh, employ streaming if you can. One more thing before we, before we move on to something else, the other way to please do learn a bit more about streaming is follow all of us on Twitter, send us some DMS, send us some tweets or, support us through Patreon and we have a group me or a discord that you can send us messages in and we can help you out. We had a user today um, asking about streaming and I was able to walk him through. And uh, so far he's dominating his league. So not to pat myself on the back, but uh, if you really have some questions or you want to learn about it, feel free to, to reach out and we'll be glad to help you. Excellent. No, no, go ahead and go ahead and pat yourself on the back. We're all going to pat ourselves <laughs> on the back. You can't I'm see it. it as we patting, yeah. I'm patting the shit out of my back right now um, <laughs> because basically we're going to be the reason why, uh, you know, why our Patreon members are going to win their leagues. And that's it. And if you want yeah, to know exactly. that, let us know. We can help. We have the answers. Uh, thank you, Rhett, for that fantastic breakdown on streaming. I know that we're all... Um, you know, shit, I, I have trouble streaming sometimes because I, I don't know the right way to think about it. I read those articles. I'm in a couple of redraft leagues and, and they're really helpful. Um, they really, really are. So uh, I, I love it. And I hope that uh, all of you listening will love it too. After this, we're going to dive into uh, our week three recap and the games that we're excited about in the upcoming week. Stay tuned. Welcome back, listeners, fans, Romans. We're diving into week three. Very exciting week, actually, upcoming. Uh, sorry, hold on. We are going to recap week three and dive into the upcoming week. A really exciting week that we had this past week. It's actually been a fun season, aside from all of the injuries. It's been a pretty fun season. One team that everybody's excited about, obviously, I'm extremely excited about the Atlanta Hawks. Uh, not just as a Hawks fan, but just as a general um, NBA fan as well. Last week, Kevin, in his in his wisdom, and I tweeted about this this week. I mean, he really picked up on the dynamic, which is Jabari Parker has really been able to step up um, in the absence of John Collins. He's been averaging 32 minutes a game, which is very impressive, uh, up from 22 before Collins uh, and the unfortunate suspension. Rhett, I mean, the Hawks are pretty cool. Uh, pretty, pretty cool. And uh, seeing Jabari Parker step up and also seeing Kevin Herter step up, um, I don't know if it surprised anyone, but I think it, it, it bodes well for the Hawks moving forward. And it definitely means good things uh, for these guys uh, over the next 25 games. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're not winning. Um, they did beat the Spurs, but they've lost to the likes of the Bulls and the Kings recently. Um, but yeah, Jabari Parker, need, like you said, <laughs> um, they don't need to win. They can yeah, they just they just need to look good. Um, Jabari Parker, up to 32 minutes from 22, is now averaging 22, 8, 
two, and the most surprising thing, one and a half steals, one and a half blocks on 58 field goal percentage. Um, Kevin was absolutely right last week when he said that Jabari Parker would be the one to step up. I said it would be Alex Lynn or Bruno Cabul or uh, Bruno Fernando. Sorry, way off. Both of those guys just did not do well. Jabari Parker has been playing exceptionally well. Um, as long as you overlook his 15% three-point shooting and his 62% free-throw shooting. But that's stuff that's been consistent the entire time. Herder has been better, but I don't know how to separate his coming back from injury and the minutes restriction that he was on to start the season. Um, he's now up to 27 minutes a game over the last four games that Collins has been out. Uh, 13 points, mm -hmm. four boards, two assists. Uh, almost a steal, a half a block on decent field goal percentage. Uh, he didn't start the year well. Like I said, it could have been the knee, could have been the minutes restriction. But, yeah, uh, Jabari Parker and Herter are definitely looking like the two that are uh, really stepping up for Collins, at least in terms of the usage. Uh, but now that Trey Young is back, thankfully for you, uh, Tony, it uh, looks like Atlanta <laughs> might try to win some games now. Yeah, I mean – you know, for me, looking at the Hawks right now, I think that, you know, it, Jabari Parker is doing a lot of what John Collins does, right? I'm not sure if we necessarily would have won maybe the game against Portland. I think we would have won if John Collins was there. Um, that, yeah, with their beat up front court, game, probably so. Yeah, yeah, I think that that with Collins, they would have they would have won that game. Um, but Kevin Herter looked unreal out there. Um, hit that big shot in the corner. You know, he, he's, he's, I think what we're seeing with Kevin Herter is we're seeing him play into shape a little bit because he was on a minutes restriction to start. He didn't do training camp. He didn't play in summer league or, well, obviously not summer league. He didn't play in, uh, in preseason. So it's very possible that starting off the season, he's just playing himself into shape a little bit. Um, and we're kind of seeing the fruition of that. We're seeing him, his release looks quicker. I mean, listen, I watch every Hawks game, so my takes are going to be pretty in-depth. But his release looks a lot quicker. It looks like he's getting better elevation on his jump shot. His floater looks really, really good. So he's getting penetration. And to me, he had a knee injury. So he's showing the, he's showing the um, you know, he's showing the, the movement um, and he's showing the ability to, you know, to, to, to get into the second level um, which is what I was looking for for him this season. So it, it's great to see him do that. Uh, we've got some breaking news um, that, 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 you know, a tweet from Sham Sharani, a friend from The Athletic. Uh, De'Aaron Fox, we were talking about earlier in the podcast, he's out three to four weeks with the ankle injury. It looks like it's pretty serious. And ankle sprains for a guy who relies so much on his speed, going to be a problem. Uh, Kev, over to you for some hot takes. Learning <laughs> that De'Aaron Fox is out for three to four weeks now with the, with the with the ankle sprain. Yeah, this is just crazy. All these injuries. Um, it's it's it. obviously awful, awful news to be losing Fox now after already losing Bagley and just really starting off the season not well. Um, th this is gonna just send them back quite a bit, and it might be something that they just don't recover from for the rest of the season. So I know a lot of people kind of had them, um, you know, uh, just potentially being a playoff team this year. Um, 
thinking that they might take a step up. You know, Vladi finally seems like he knows what he's doing. But it, these injuries are just too rough, and they're just too too young of a team to really be able to to weather the storm. You know, we mentioned that, yeah. uh, you know, uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich is a guy that's going to be, uh, you know, stepping up now. I see him, uh, if you have, if he's on your wire, um, I would go pick him up right now if you're listening to this. Um, same thing with Corey Joseph. He should be picking up starters minutes, probably splitting with Yogi Ferrell. Um, but neither of them are probably standard league guys. Maybe Corey Joseph, if you're looking for assists. Um, but overall, uh, I think the guy that is really going to kind of be uh, the person that you know benefits from obviously this bad news is going to be uh, Bogdanovich. Well, I've got Bogdanovich in our uh, in the expert league, so lucky you. I don't know. I guess that's good, <laughs> and this also helps my tank in the uh, in the in the fantasy unicorns league. So <laughs> there you go. Mm, not to be happy that. Darren Fox is injured. Obviously, I'm not, but you know, hey, silver linings. I think for me, what I'm looking at with the Kings here is that I'm just really concerned about their gameplay, right? Yeah. Like Darren Fox is their entire team, and so what? The reason why I think the Bogdan callout is smart is because he's not a great ball handler, but what he is pretty good. He's a he's a good scorer in transition, which is what Darren Fox brings to the table, right? That's what they're losing. With him, I mean, when you're looking about injuries, it's, it's addition and subtraction, right? How do I get – no one's going to bring on the Kings right now. No one is going to bring what Darren Fox brings to the table, right? No one can because of his unique ability to get up the floor. But Bogdan Bogdanovich is one of those guys who uh, Deadman can outlet to or Bielitsa they can outlet to, and he can, he can handle the ball and he can score in transition. He can take – he can – you know, he's got a great pull-up jumper. can get into the defense, so – I think that you're right on the call out for Bogdanovich. I also think that if I'm going to pick between Corey Joseph and Yogi Ferrell, I think it was with the Mavs that Yogi Ferrell, before they got yeah. Doncic, that he yeah. had that that sort of resurgence. Well, there wasn't a resurgence. Resurgence implies that he, he was, was somewhere to begin point. with, right? <laughs> no, uh, complete. He burst on <laughs> the scene, right, a little bit. Um, it was him and Dennis Smith Jr. and Yogi Ferrell had some of that transition, that speed with the ball. So it might they might go to him more because they need. I mean, the Kings need that pace. That's what they. That's what sets them apart. That's their identity. So I, I just I really hope that Luke Walton is smart enough to not just go to like Harrison Barnes ISO. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah. I no, I mean, yeah. Knows? Just to get back to Bogdanovich, you know, I, he's definitely. You mentioned scoring in transition, but I think he's also pretty underrated as a playmaker from the way. Yeah. I agree. I, I could easily see him with Fox being out, pulling, you know, 16, 17 points a game, five boards, five assists, couple threes, and a steal. Yeah. Uh, and really, you know, being a, a, a very uh, be great. useful useful player in fantasy. Useful, useful. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I mean, do you see him and Heald playing well together? Because that's one thing that we don't see much of, right? Like, it's really, it's either one or the other. Yeah, I mean they've been kind of competing for this same spot for the last couple right. of years, and uh, yeah, and neither is a is a traditional point guard, but um, I, I think they can make it work, and I think he's kind of their best bet overall. Obviously, like we mentioned, uh, you know he he's not a point guard, but uh, Corey Joseph is not really the answer overall, um, and I think, like I said, they're going to have to lean on Bogdanovich more, and you probably will see them him and Heald on the floor together some uh now with fox being out 
yikes we'll see how that goes yeah so uh going back into the recap here apologies for the uh the breaking news but this is you know some of the good stuff uh that we get to do i, I love that we're staying on top of it thank you guys for the uh for the update here moving over i mean we had a we had a great <laughs> a great performance from jonathan isaac this past week uh against the mavericks right it was the mavericks right yeah uh an almost five by five, which is kind of becoming the new, I mean, it's, it's to me, it's more elusive than the triple double, right? Like the five by five is the right now, probably the statistical Holy grail is the most difficult thing to, to accomplish in the NBA today. Jonathan Isaac seems to be sort of, you know, we talked about AK 47, Andre Kirilenko being the first guy to really kind of be the five by five guy, Nick Batum, was also sort of one of those guys who could give that to you. And it looks like Jonathan Isaac is the uh, this generation's version of the 5x5 five five guy. Brett, I mean, what are you taking in from this performance? Obviously, from a fantasy standpoint, someone who's putting up 5x5, five five, I mean, that's like as valuable as it gets for fantasy. Yeah, right now he stands as the 12th ranked overall player so far this year. Wow. I, I mean, wow. <laughs> he's only averaging 12 points not quite seven boards and not quite 1.6 or not quite two assists. I'm sorry. 1.6 assists, but he's averaging 1.4 steals and three blocks from the small forward power forward position. And he's 22 years old and he plays next to Aaron Gordon and um, Vucevic as well. So like he's, he's playing out of his mind. The funny thing about his near five by five is that there was some rumblings on Twitter about uh, some Magic fans who watched the game, and apparently the stats recorder gave Isaac a block when he stripped somebody as they were going up for a shot. So it could have been a steal. It was an objective, a subjective call. Exactly, exactly. So if the, I mean, if the scorekeeper had known anything about how much guys like us foam at the mouth for five by five probably would have changed it. But some people probably appreciated that block rather than the steal. Um, Oh man. I mean, he is, he's doing this in 30 minutes a night. I, I mean, he can be top 30, top 25 easy for the next six years. I mean, he's the defense, the defensive potential that he has, getting six blocks and four steals in a game and averaging three game or three blocks for the season so far is just ridiculous. I'll put this question to both of you first to you, Rhett, and then Kev, I'd like to get your take on it. Um, is Isaac, is Jonathan Isaac currently the front runner for most improved player? I, I don't think so. I don't think he scores enough and I don't think he leads his team to winning. I think Siakam has got to be up there just because he took another step. I don't know if anybody's ever won most improved player back-to-back years. But the other option... That's an interesting question. That's not a homer pick is uh, Malcolm Brogdon, the way he's been dominating. I know we talked about it last week, so I don't need to go on my Pacers rant again. But uh, those are my two picks ahead of Jonathan Isaac. Sure. Kev, your thoughts on uh, Isaac's MIP chances? Uh, yeah, he he's definitely in the mix. Um, and I would, uh, you know, Rhett, you mentioned top 25. I might even go a step further and say top 15. Um, oh, man. I think if he can 
be a guy that because of the variety. Would you really be surprised if he was averaging two blocks, almost two steals, and like two threes a game in a, in a year or two? Like, he definitely has that crazy freaky potential that yeah. um, you know fantasy GMs like us obviously go crazy for. And uh, I think he'll offer enough diversity across the board where he can really, um, you know, just be be that that crazy defensive player, you know, we were, we were talking offline about like an Andre Karolinko, the guys like that. Um, we haven't seen for a while and this could kind of could be that next evolution of that type of player. So it'll be interesting to see how he does uh, moving forward. But as far as most improved player, you know, uh, you mentioned Brogdon, Rhett. Um, I think that's a good pick. Um, yep. And I have uh, Brandon Ingram as a potential guy as well. Who's really yep. stepped up his game. Um, and a guy that people maybe aren't really thinking about, but, because he was already considered very good, um, but Luka Doncic has really—I was going to say Luka Doncic—he's <laughs> really improved I was going to say Luka Doncic. Yeah. He's really That's cleaned wild. up a he lot of the so things. Right. <laughs> a yeah. lot of the things that people were criticizing him for, he really, you know, addressed those things so far this season, uh, and has worked himself into that top-tier player already. Um, and I think, you know, that's somebody, especially if he leads them to the playoffs. Um, he's going to be in a lot of different conversations for awards at the end of the year. So um, he's a guy that I would definitely uh, be thinking about as well. Interesting. Interesting. Good talk. Good stuff. Good stuff. Hope you guys are loving this conversation. The listeners are loving it as much as I'm loving it. Anyway, um, so moving on to our last little topic here for the week three recap before we dive into upcoming games that we're excited about. The Knicks, uh, man, they... uh, they are a mess. They continue to be a mess. And today, Monday, we're met in the morning with a flurry of, uh, of stories and tweets and sources talking about how Fizdale, um, his job is in jeopardy and how, uh, you know, the powers that be in New York, uh, primarily Dolan, uh, not pleased with his performance thus far. Um, things are not great in New York right now uh, on the Knicks side of things. Mitchell Robinson hasn't really been seeing the floor very much. He's had concussion issues and this and that. Obviously, their point guard situation is, is still a mess. Um, and, you know, I mean, there's 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 just a lot of question marks on that roster, and they're just not they're not playing well. They're two and eight. And I think that a lot of people thought that the Knicks had the talent to at least be a 500 potentially team in a really weak East, and we haven't seen any of that. Julius Randle has been underperforming relative to his performances last year from a fantasy standpoint. Kev, I mean, what's your take here on the Knicks thus far? Yeah, it's it's been rough. I mean, it. I, I don't mean to bring this to another sport, but as a uh, a former uh, fan of my local Washington sports uh, football team, um, I know how a bad owner or a insanely bad owner can just completely wreck a franchise. And it it starts at the top and we've seen this with James Dolan now. And he's just, he's the worst owner in in the NBA. And uh, it shows by how everything unfolds with his team. You know, they finally have some talent on this team, some young talent to build around and they go and they, they sign all of these free agents that make no sense. Um, you know, they have this coach in Fisdale who just isn't a good fit for this team. Um, and the rotations make no sense. And, you know, again, to me, 
and when I look at something, I, I, you know, as a team over a long period of time, I, I definitely take a look at the owner and the type, the type of decisions they make, the type of uh, leadership they're trying to to push down. And, you know, this is just a reflection in that. And I know the rumor has been that they are looking to potentially uh, move on from Fisdale. Um, if it hasn't happened yet, I don't know, Rhett, you can break it if, uh, if uh, Shams tweets it out, but uh, you know, oh, moving, <laughs> moving forward, you know, it, it's just it's just a mess. They're 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 tied for the worst uh, record in the league. Um, as you mentioned, Tony, you know, their best player or potentially their best player, Mitchell Robinson, just hasn't been able to really get it going. He's still a valuable fantasy player, so you know, to bring it back to fantasy, obviously those for blocks, sure. He just hasn't been on the floor. He just hasn't yeah. been on the floor. Well, he's aver- he's been averaging less than eighteen minutes a game, which is just that's awful. You know, obviously he has foul issues. Uh, and that that's continued. But, you know, it, it, he, and he gets you the blocks that you're hoping for. You know, he's still in less than 18 minutes a game. He's averaging almost two blocks. So uh, that plus his field goal percentage is keeping him, you know, very much in the middle round territory for fantasy leagues. But we expected more. You know, a lot of people were drafting him uh, in the third round and, you know, thinking like they they're going to be he's he's a guy that could, you know, be getting over three blocks a game and and putting up more boards than he's putting up right now. He's only getting six boards and less than 10 points. So it, there's a lot of stuff that's just not working out for the Knicks. Um, you know, and I think they obviously need, you know, they need a change of pace. They need a new coach. Uh, but at the same time, uh, it, it, it really starts at the top. And they're just, you know, as they get new coach and new coach, um, it, they really have to look at what's happening at the the owner level and, and kind of, uh, <laughs> just I guess make make amends with with uh with what that brings to the table because well, they just you know I just don't see them ever really becoming that value that successful a franchise when you have that type of leadership. I'll tell you what it is, Kev. I'll tell you what the situation is right. still, and what the situation has been. It's mm-hmm. it's it's scapegoating. Mm-hmm. All they're doing is they're saying it, they've they've always victimized the head coach in New York. It's a tough town and it's misdirection basically because the, the, the ire should go to Dolan, Perry and Steve Mills, the president, right? right? I mean, they're the ones who have essentially been operating the franchise in misery, uh, mm-hmm. for, for the last decade, essentially. And it's been, you know, since he, here's an interesting, I had a friend send me this today. Steve Mills has sat over the has 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 been in control of the arrival and departure of five Knicks coaches mm. in his time as the president. His overall record as team president is one sixty five and three thirty seven. Mm. <laughs> three hundred and thirty seven losses, one hundred and sixty five wins, including forty eight and one twenty six since taking the job over from Phil Jackson in 2017. So in the two years that he's been the president, he's looked over, since 2017, he has managed the departure and the arrival of five Knicks coaches. And in that time, he's gone 165 and 337. It's abysmal. And yet we're sitting here talking about David Fisdale. So I don't, I mean, it's, it's just the smoke and mirrors of the Knicks organization. They're poorly run from the top. Right. And it doesn't matter who you put in there. It doesn't matter if David Fisdale plays R.J. Barrett for 40 minutes a game. It doesn't matter if Julius Randle isn't playing well. It doesn't matter because in the end of the day, that organization is 
top down, poorly managed. And I recognize that we're a fantasy podcast. And yeah, I just wanted a bit of a rant on the NBA level. But from a fantasy standpoint, the reason why this is important is because it speaks to how much do I trust the Knicks, right? I personally made a huge mistake. I invested pretty heavily this offseason in Knicks players. I, I picked up Dennis Smith Jr. I thought that he would potentially step up and really – it's been Frank Milikina, but I thought that Dennis Smith Jr. was going to be the guy – Kev, I know that you said that you didn't have much faith in him, and, and up to this point you've been right – I had Julius Randle, and I was really hopeful in one league. I, I had him on my roster. I didn't draft him, but I just had him. Uh, and I was really hopeful that he would um, you know, take a huge step forward, and he hasn't done that. Mitchell Robinson, I drafted him in our expert league. I, I don't know what the price tag was. I want to say $12, but you know, not a lot of money, but it's certainly someone who you're hoping is going to produce more than he has up to this point. And, and from a fantasy standpoint, when you see this type of turmoil – it does have a negative impact on your players. So if I'm holding Knicks players at this point, if I'm rostering those guys, I'm worried. I'm worried, and, and they don't have much trade value right now. So it's definitely a situation where you're not very happy uh, holding these guys. You're looking, and, and for me, once I see an uptick in any of these guys and I see something that, that shows like a sign of life, I'm going to start putting out feelers to see if I can move them because, you know, in a dynasty, obviously, you're saying it's two years with Julius Randle. You know, he'll probably go somewhere else. So maybe you hold. But he's really not stepped up. And, and, and it's partially because of this turmoil. And I think that it does have an impact on, you know, how these players perform. Uh, and, you know, I stay away from players uh, on the Hornets because it's a bad organization. And it's tough to get consistency in those places. And, and that makes it very difficult from a fantasy standpoint to predict. Uh, and that's all we do. All we're doing is we're trying to predict uh, what might happen. And, and with the Knicks thus far, uh, it's very, very difficult to predict uh, what's been going on. So uh, we're going to talk about a couple of games happening for the LA franchises this week. We've got a couple of big matchups in the West coming up this week. The Lakers against the Suns is the first one that we're going to talk about. Rhett, what are you looking at? What are you excited about from a general perspective, NBA standpoint, and then also from a fantasy standpoint uh, in this first game, Lakers versus the Suns? So I'm most interested in seeing, we still don't know if the Suns are real. Like we, they've, they've beaten Brooklyn. We're they've figuring it out. Yeah, we are. But like, okay. So the last couple of games, the last four games they've had, they played Utah and they lost, they played the Clippers and they won. They played Denver and they lost to a Jokic buzzer beater. Then they played Sacramento and absolutely blew them out. So they're beating the teams that they're supposed to beat, and they're even beating teams that they're likely not supposed to beat. Um, so this is going to be another one of those tests where it's like, okay, are the Suns for real? From a fantasy perspective, and I guess from a general perspective as well, Anthony Davis has had a lot of talk about his shoulder lately. Um, and this is – for the Lakers, at least, this is the first night of a back-to-back. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how much he plays. If one of those games will be a load management, if they decide to do a minutes sort of thing rather than resting in one game or another. Um, but the Lakers are at Phoenix tomorrow night, and then they'll be home against Golden State. Um, so I wouldn't think they would rest him against Phoenix, um, especially with Phoenix playing so well and looking like an actual playoff team. Um, but and then the other thing is LeBron has four triple doubles in five games. Um, so interested to see if that keeps going on. 
The Washed King. LeBron the Washed James. King. Uh, I can't. I have no idea. I mean, it's it's. This is going to be an awesome game. It's going to be an awesome game, but I, I just can't. I don't know if the Suns are for real. It feels real to me. It feels real to me. It does. I don't know. Real I don't know great. why. It feels real to me just because of the vet presence, which yep. is just something that they've never had, and maybe they figured it out. I, I, I mean, the deals that they made this offseason were objectively bad deals. They were objectively poor GM choices, but the team looks good. So I, I'm, I'm intrigued by the matchup. I'm definitely going to be watching. Kev, what are you looking for with the Lakers and the Suns? Yeah, I mean, this is going to definitely be a, a true test to see, you know, if they are for real. And, you know, anytime, um, you know, you get to see LeBron and AD, obviously that's that's worth checking out. Um, you know, I love what Booker's been doing so far this season. Uh, the addition of Rubio has been great. Um, and just the emergence of a guy like Baines has been such a fun thing to see. So seeing him kind of go bash against uh, AD and, and, um, and LeBron, I think, in the paint, that'll be fun. And there's just a lot of little storylines that I think will be interesting. And again, just sort of, you know, it, Phoenix has to do it a few more times for me to really kind of be like, all right, this is legit. Uh, but they're definitely, they're working their way towards it. They're making their case. For they're sure. They're making their case. So the next matchup, the other team on the other side of uh, the Staples Center, uh, the Clips, great team, front runners to me. I think they're title contenders. They're going up against Houston, who, you know, lots of question marks in Houston. Obviously, they're a great team. They've got the talent. Um, they've played a few great games. They've played a few not so great games uh and and defensively has been a, a just a huge problem for them uh i mean it's an intriguing matchup obviously i'm thinking that um well i mean i'm thinking that the clippers are gonna wipe the floor with the rockets personally but uh but kevin i'm gonna start with you um you know what wh- what are you looking at for in, in this game and what is it that you know what what can we learn about watching how uh, the Clippers attack the Rockets and, and vice versa. Yeah, I mean, one of the biggest storylines that's going to be here is the potential return of Paul George. Um, I think, you know, especially yep. with a nationally televised game against Paul you know, George another against top Russell team. Westbrook. Yeah, that, you know, that's uh, old teammates going at it. Um, you know, I think that's going to be definitely interesting to watch. And, you know, like I mentioned before with AD and LeBron, like Kawhi is just one of those guys that anytime he's on the floor, like I want to watch, I want to see what he's doing. Um, and so it's going to be a really interesting matchup. Uh, Harden and Westbrook going at it against sort of these insane defensive players. Again, if, if Paul George is, is going to be available, which, you know, is looking like it potentially could be the, the case. So, um, you know, a 6-3 team versus a 6-3 team um, is going to be always, uh, you know, something interesting to watch. And I think uh, overall, you mentioned you think uh, the Clippers are going to win, Tony? I do. Yeah. OK. All right. Well, I'm going to go the other way. I'm going to say I'm going to say Houston takes this one. I'm going to I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to uh, triple double out of Westbrook and some 48 point type game from Harden. Uh you know, in the face of Kawhi and Paul George trying to DM up. So we'll see what happens. 
Interesting, interesting. Okay, Rhett, over to you. What do you think about the uh, the Clips Rockets matchup? Yeah, I think the the biggest thing that'll turn the tide is Paul George's status, whether or not he plays. Um, but even without For him, sure. I think that the Clippers should win. Uh, the only caveat to that is that if you look at the schedule, the Clippers have a back to back on Wednesday to Thursday at Houston at New Uh-oh. Orleans. Oh. Wednesday is a national televised game on ESPN, so I would imagine that Kawhi would play that one and he would sit the second one at New Orleans if he decides to do that. They're going to sit him on the first one just to spite everyone. Yeah, I mean, they they did that with Milwaukee. Everyone's surprised, but then when you look at it a little bit deeper, it's like, okay, we're going to sit him against Milwaukee so that we can play him against Portland, a Western Conference team, because that might actually end up mattering when it comes to standings. But who knows? I mean. It, if Kawhi doesn't end up playing, then this could get really, really ugly because uh, not a ton of defense coming from either team without uh, without their star players out there. It could easily be another 159-158 flashback to Houston, Washington um, if Kawhi doesn't play. But I'm going to go ahead and say that he does, and the Clippers will end up beating Houston um, on Wednesday night. If it's worth anything, I, I did see a tweet from a uh, sort of a Spurs fanatic who mentioned uh, how Pop, the way he would rest uh, Kawhi was if on back-to-backs like that, uh, he would always sit them on the more difficult game and put them out there on the, yeah. the easier game. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know if that holds true. That's just something that I happen to see on Twitter and I thought was an interesting thing to note. So that is if, that's, if that's worth anything, uh, obviously, you know, the, the Pelicans are, are struggling a little bit right now. So yeah. um, that could be the game that Kawhi actually plays, but we'll see. Mm, it's a very interesting question. I, I do. I don't know. I feel like they're playing mind games, you know, like the fact that they sat Kawhi against Giannis. Like, to me, when I first saw that he was sitting against Giannis, I was thinking, they just don't want to show the look that they're going to give in the finals. Yep. You know? It's like, cause yep. they, like we know, like, it's, there's a high chance, right, that it's Bucks. And, and, like, maybe that's just me being, like, an overly, like, overly excited NBA fan. Like, probably is. I don't know if they're thinking, like, like you know, 12D chess or whatever, but... uh. But I don't know. I mean, a part of me was thinking like, man, they just don't want to show Giannis what the look is going to be like with Kawhi. They just don't want to show how they're going to play him. They're going to sit in. They're going to call it a back-to-back, whatever. They'll play Portland. It's fine. And, you know, whatever. But they're not going to show the look. And I don't know. It could be the same thing with the Rockets. But then again, Paul George is out. Once they have Paul George, the look is going to be totally different. But anyway, it's, uh, it's an interesting game to look at. Uh, I just realized that we didn't give our predictions for the uh, for the Lakers um, for the for the uh, for the Lakers game um, with Phoenix. I I I think that the Lakers are going to win. I think that LeBron's going to do another have another triple double. Um, obviously, I'm going with the with the favorites in this. But uh, gentlemen, I'll start with you with you, uh, Rhett. What what do you think uh, the the, the prediction is going to be for this game? Despite Aaron Baines being in the conversation for top five center in the NBA right now, uh, <laughs> I think <laughs> – sorry, I can't even say that with a straight face. Um, I do think the Lakers will end up beating Phoenix, and we'll go back to questioning whether or not Phoenix is real. Fair enough. Kevin? 
Yeah, I'm uh, I'm going with Lakers with this one too. I think it's going to be show. Uh, they're they're going to win it, um, and it's not going to be that close. You know, we should be keeping track of our predictions uh, because if I'm keeping track, yeah, we like should. I was the only one. I was the only one that got it right last week. And, oh, oh, I don't know. All right. Do that. <laughs> <laughs> mm, I was spot on three games, but anyway. All right. Anyway, we'll, we'll, uh, for we'll this, keep this tally. is the, <laughs> for listeners who are joining this week, last week we went through uh, on uh, the, the, the Heat, on what the Heat would do in their West Coast road trip. They ended up, uh, wait, hold on, wait a second, wait a minute. The Heat, they lost last night to the Lakers, right? <laughs> right? Yes. Did I? Yes, they did. Okay, good. All right, I thought so. I just wanted, I didn't, I didn't want to be, I didn't want to like put my foot in my mouth over here. Um, but yes, uh, it was a, uh, a big win. It was a, uh, uh, you know, for me, I'm very, very proud to have, to have accurately predicted uh, that Miami would lose to the Lakers and uh, and to the to the Nuggets, but beat the Suns. And that's exactly what they did. Um, so, you know, obviously, I'm uh, I'm a genius, and I can see the future. So that's cool. I hope everyone <laughs> loves that. Um, and I'm looking forward to being right again with the two LA wins. Rhett, you're saying that both LA teams are going to win, so you and I are making this the same the same call. And Kev, I'll, I'll stick with the expert. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, the... I'm going. I'm going Clips. Uh, or I'm going on. Sorry, I'm going on uh, Houston over the Clippers. Yeah. So yeah, Rockets over Clippers. Interesting. We'll see how it plays out. That concludes yet another fantastic episode of the Fantasy Unicorns podcast. Thank you for listening. We really appreciate your support. Please reach out to us on Twitter. I'm at who's underscore your underscore Papa. Uh, and find us on thefantasyunicorns.com. Gentlemen, Kevin, let the people know where they can find you on Twitter. Yep. You can find me on Twitter at Kevin So. And uh, definitely hit me up with any questions you have. Rhett, over to you. Let the people know where they can ask you their streaming questions. You can find me at Rhett underscore Bauer, at R-H-E-T-T underscore B-A-U-E-R. I am on Twitter all the time, so you'll likely get a quick response. And that's why we get all the breaking news, because this man is a Twitter fiend. And that's why we <laughs> yeah. got him here. There you Another go. Another great episode. Thank you, gentlemen, for joining me. Thank you for listening to those of you who listen to the end. We appreciate you. We appreciate your time. And have a great day.